All right, welcome back into the show. Let's go right straight to the phone lines and welcome in a good friend of mine, colleague at ESPN and the SEC Network, Tom Hart. Tom, my friend, it's good to be with you. I love listening to you, watching you, your work on the SEC Network as we look at a pretty jumbled SEC race with the exception of Alabama and basketball. What do you make of it, man? I mean, you got – I was telling Austin before we brought you on, I, I really can point to about, I don't know, six, seven – teams in the league right now that you told me they were going to win the SEC tournament, I wouldn't be floored. No, by the way, thanks for having me. I love it. I mean, to me, it's like if you're just a casual fan, and I know we really don't have those in the SEC, but if you're not pulling for a specific team, it's like walking into Littons and trying to decide between the cheeseburger, the onion rings, the red velvet cake. Just give it all to me. Like, let's have everybody play well. Um, Put it all in front of me. Put my name on the chalkboard. Let's go. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that can that can play to their if they play to their potential could win in Nashville. Um, you know, I think at the bottom end there's some teams that will have a lot of question marks about them. But I'm just looking at the standings right now, and South Carolina is three and seven in conference, and they are wildly talented. I mean, I think they could beat any team on any given night. I had their Alabama game last week. They almost knocked off Alabama. Um, they're they're really, really good. They just have been obviously decimated and interrupted by COVID, just like Texas A&M, just like uh, well, everybody except Auburn and Mississippi State, two of only three teams in the country at last check. I think the third was uh, the Raging Cajuns from Louisiana, who haven't had a game rescheduled or postponed due to COVID-19. So everybody's impacted. I think that plays a direct role in – um, the hodgepodge of the standings and the inconsistencies for teams um, throughout the entire season. I'm going to throw it to Austin. I know he's got a couple of things he wants to ask you, but I need I want to let you know um, you're going to Barry Litton is going to owe you cheeseburger, free cheeseburgers, onion rings, and red velvet cake for the year. By the way, I, I would take it, but I would also pay for it any day of the week. So that that <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. Tom, it's Austin. We were talking about this in the first segment. Um, the SEC just feels like even Alabama, who's, who they seem to have cooled off um, compared to what they were a month ago. Um, it, it just feels like the winner in Nashville could come out of left field. Yeah, it could be Alabama who's the one seed, but it could be, you know, seeds two through seven, and and, and you wouldn't be surprised. And a lot of these teams are kind of, you know, they have flashes of potential, but they don't have, they, they lack consistency. Missouri, Tennessee, LSU, those all kind of look the same in certain in certain ways. What What's your take on why nobody's been able to find a consistent level of play as we approach here uh, the middle of February? There's only one team that cannot win in Nashville, and that's Auburn because they ain't going. But otherwise, everybody <laughs> else can. I mean, Vanderbilt has had a bad year. They're two and eight in conference. Scotty Pippen Jr. though could go for thirty-five any night. He and Dylan Dissu are two of the top scoring tandems in the entire country, let alone the league. So they can they can win some games. I think, and I hate going back to this, um, but I think one hundred percent it's the fact that COVID has interrupted so many seasons. Obviously, it had a key role in interrupting teams' preparation and teamwork and getting to know each other. That's why teams like Missouri, who have so much continuity in the roster, had success early in the season, and they had an advantage over everybody else. I mean, there's only eight teams in the country who have as many quad one wins as Missouri. That's 
really good, and they've got really good road wins under their belt. They knocked off Illinois at home. They won on a, a neutral side against Oregon. They went on the road. I won at Wichita State. Those are all good wins because Conzo Martin had guys on his roster that knew what to expect out of him, the program, the league, the schedule, all of that stuff. Teams like Kentucky, other end of the spectrum, obviously. They didn't have any of that continuity. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know how to work with each other. And then as teams go through layoffs, then on top of that, they don't know what to expect. I'll give you a great example. If you watch the first half of Michigan and Wisconsin today, Michigan looked like a team that had 23 days between games. If you watch the second half where they doubled up on Wisconsin, Michigan looked like a team that deserves one of the top four seeds in the tournament, which is what they're going to get. Teams need time on the floor together. They need time on the floor together even within games. So that's why I've always said this season especially, that when you look at records, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Um, I think that's why Nashville's going to be wide open. And there's still a lot of jockeying to happen before we even get there. Alabama's in a really good spot with a three-game lead in the loss column. Um, but, you know, Missouri dropped from second to, I think, sixth over the course of the last couple of days in this weekend. And so the, I don't think the seeding is going to be finalized until until the weekend before. Tom, it's Chris again. And Ole Miss really hot right now. The league announcing that they've added a game. LSU plays at Ole Miss this Wednesday. Let me ask you this. As good as the freshmen have been at Tennessee, Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, and you see him every every week, just sort of the light coming on for him. Can this Tennessee team, though, make a deep run in the tournament without John Fulkerson and East Ponds playing a little bit more consistently offensively and getting them some points inside? If you were to tell me that Tennessee was going to have one of those guys play to his potential, I would say the most important would be E. Ponds. Talked to Rick Barnes last week. I got him again. On Tuesday night, um, he has made a concerted effort based on basically based on that Ole Miss loss. He has said we we got to play and get possessions, and we got to get up and down the floor. And by the way, that also goes hand in hand with what a lot of these coaches in the league are doing. You guys realize that the SEC runs at a tempo second only to one conference. That's the MEAC. So you, you take them out of the mix because of their hodgepodge schedule. The SEC is running at a tempo second to none when it comes to the Power Six conferences. There's a lot of teams that love to get up and down the floor, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But for the most part, for average teams, that is masking the inefficiency to be effective in the half court. Tennessee is getting to a point where they're more effective in the half court. They're more efficient. Springer has been fantastic. But also, running at a higher tempo is – a benefit to guys like not just Springer, but also uh, I think it's huge for Josiah James. I think it's really big for Keon Johnson. And you're allowed to play a smaller lineup when you do that, where you could put Pons in at the five. That that lineup had a lot of success in the Kentucky game. Fulkerson is still important to this team, and he still absolutely has a role on any good night. He can give you know he can give you twelve and eight, but if he's not getting rebounds, if he's not getting you eight rebounds a night then his effectiveness really drops off. So I would say, yes, Tennessee can go on a run with that lineup, but they need one of the two. And to me, Pons has more value in that scenario than Fulkerson. When I look at this team, uh, you know, and Chris talked about, we talked about in the first segment, Tom, 
you almost feel like, is, is, can Fulkerson be saved at this point, or do you just try to get what you can get out of him because he is in such a slump? Do you feel like this team is 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 you know they just got to continue to go down the down you know the road with you know running everything through Jaden and Keon because I mean like I I know they'd like to probably get Fulkerson back out of the slump a little bit but at the same time it, sometimes you can you can you don't want to try to force the round peg into the square hole if it just doesn't fit. No, I think John Fulkerson absolutely has a role on this team. We got to remember that that a slump in basketball is much different than. In baseball, it's not like he's an automatic out, and if he comes to the plate in a big game with guys on, that um, that you're going to pinch hit for him. No, he still absolutely has a role. Is he going to be the guy that last time against um, uh, who was it they played? Well, who they got coming up Tuesday? I have that game. I should know. South Carolina. The Gamecocks. Yeah, yeah. He had twenty. Yeah, he had twenty-five and nine against the Gamecocks last time they met. Does that mean he's going to give you twenty-five? No, but that's okay because. He can still be an impactful player and effective by giving you 10 and 9. Once again, he's got to rebound if he's going to be on the floor. He's, he's got to be able to do that. But you don't have to run the offense through him. He doesn't necessarily need a touch on the block to get you what you need offensively, especially if you're going with more tempo. And he can run the floor. You know what I mean? Shoot, when he showed up in Knoxville, he was a – and he pictured himself as more of a, a face-up four and a guy that could play more on the perimeter. He can, he can run with – with any other big in this league. What happens though, guys, when we talk about that is it puts even more pressure on Jaden Springer to continue doing what he he's done lately. Um, it looks like he has that potential. It looks like that's possible, but to lean on freshmen to really be productive and, and bring a 20 point night every night um, is, is a fool's errand, and you don't you never know when that's going to pop up. I mean, that that might pop up in the biggest of games. So, uh, overall, it's a it's a Tennessee team that will continue to get things done on the defensive end, and I think Fulkerson still can give you quality moments and, and minutes on the defensive end of the floor. Well, Tom, man, we really appreciate your time, and uh, always look forward to to seeing you on the call. Be, do me a favor, though, T- tell Dykes I'm disappointed. He was not up to speed on the duck pond in Fountain City. All right, I, I was really disappointed that that you had to explain the difference to him between Knoxville and Fountain City. I I do have an advantage on Jimmy in that regard. I, I bought my wife's engagement ring at Fountain City Jewelers, so you know I spent a lot of time and money in that neighborhood. So I, let let's let's let Jimmy diagram the plays in the. Uh, I'll talk uh, La Follette or or whatever we need to talk next time out to make sure people know that I've darkened the door at Toddy's Backdoor Tavern and other places in the greater Knoxville metropolitan area. Well, when you when we get both you guys back here to call a game, we'll have to get Dykes out to, to let him sample a cheeseburger on his own. But uh, we really appreciate the time, man. Keep up the great work, and we look forward to when we all get out there traveling again, maybe catching up down the road somewhere in person. Chris Austin, that'd be great. Always a pleasure to join you guys. Okay. Hey, right. hey, hey, Tom. I think we lost him. Yeah, no, I'm here. Okay. Hey, Tom, I just want you to know I've got Peter Millar on just for you, buddy. <laughs> the, the fan, I, I, I see him in, a, in an airport. I see Austin in an airport, and I think that's Jim Nance walking down. I mean, he, there's so much money dripping off of him with his golf gear. Holy smokes, you should be at Pebble Beach this weekend. <laughs> I, I wear what's comfortable. <laughs> Hey, and, and next time we're going to see if you can work in a, a, a Greenbrier reference, a phenomenal stakes up in Gatlinburg. 
Done. Done. <laughs> That'll happen Tuesday. All right, Tom. Hey, miss, listen, we really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Take care. Safe travels. We'll see you soon. Anytime, fellas. Be good. All right. That's Tom Hart of ESPN, the SEC Network, breaking down the SEC hoops race as we come down to the final stretch here. Uh, last couple 